Welcome to Green, Green Eggs and West Ham. After today's disappointing performance against Wolves, we're just going to have a, a quick little episode talking about our match reaction and, and uh, look a little bit ahead to the, the Spurs game midweek. But let's let's get right to it. So, Chris, we started off against Wolves, lost 2-0. The team selection, we played a 4-4-2 with Anderson and Antonio, or Anderson and Antonio up top. Overall, what did you think of the manager's decisions? So it's an interesting selection. We had it's Hilaire out with a hip injury, which forced uh, a different set of strikers. Anderson, I wouldn't mind seeing again uh, before today's game. You know, I thought, okay, maybe he had a few months off. Let's let's give him another shot. But after today's performance, he created no chances. I saw him lose the ball a few times. I didn't really see great play from him. I would expect more out of a player that's especially on one of the bigger contracts for the club. Another interesting. Uh, pick I guess was a uh, noble I again noble has been a great player but when you've got the pace that wolves have and you know that pace is coming at you with the back line uh, is noble the best one to put in I I would probably disagree uh, I don't know if I'd put noble in there I, and we saw that as a result so you had Declan playing center back Declan did okay uh, there you know I I don't think it was his fault that um, some of those goals were scored. That second goal was an incredible goal. Uh, yeah, I, I have to give my hats off to him. Um, great goal. But besides that, um, you know, I don't know. I would have played Declan, I think, more in the stopper position. I I don't know why Moyes uh, didn't play Balbuena because Balbuena has played okay in the past. I would trust Balbuena there in playing Declan uh, in defensive mid more than the Noble and Declan Rice in center back. What do you think? Yeah, I think – so there were definitely a couple injuries changing the lineup. The first was obviously Hilaire out with a groin injury, forced uh, Anderson kind of into the second striker role. Uh, I thought that hurt us a little bit. And based on our game plan, we can talk about that a little bit. But yeah, the second was Ogbana out, really leaving us weak at center back. And and I would have I would have rather had Balbuena play back there with with Diop more. Not not because Rice is a bad center back but because it takes Rice out of the midfield, which I feel like is where he he touches the ball most, where he's most effective, given that he is our steadiest player. And just missing him in the midfield, I felt like was worse this game than what we gained from him being in the back four. Um, the one other thing that kind of surprised me is we – we both kind of thought Ngakia wasn't going to feature in any of the remaining games given his contract situation, but he did play here and uh, wasn't, wasn't really a great game for him. He looked disinterested, I'd say. That was, that's interesting you brought that up. Uh, he, if I were him, I think I would have gone into that game saying, you know what, the club may drop me, but I also can, if I really want to stay, earn my spot back. I could even probably convince them that, uh, you know, if I really do well, that I could get a better contract. Maybe they'd be willing to accept my number for the contract or whatever he's proposing. I know we don't have a, a great definitive number on that, but uh, but he came out and it looked like the owners were right today in terms of not signing him. You know, we didn't see anything of promise. Uh, he let guys go by him all day long. That that honestly was our weak side. I thought all day until obviously Troy came in. Yeah, um, it, it was, it was definitely weak. And and what didn't make sense is even if he, even if he doesn't want to be here, which he, he might want to stay, he might not putting a good performance today could help you get a higher wage anywhere. 
I mean, there there is such a small small amount of film on him. He's only played featured in a few senior games. Good games now, yes, they make they make it more likely that West Ham would would sign him more pay or pay hit what he demands. But it also would mean that there are other clubs, more of other clubs that would be willing to sign him and and give him the wage he wants. And it, it was it was strange, you know. He he is kind of young. There's still a little bit of maybe he wasn't as mentally strong as this game as he should have been to, to focus, but it, it makes sense that he just really didn't put in the effort. And I, I, I want to say it was, it was very interesting to me that we have a fit Fredericks, but we play in Gakia over Fredericks, clearly rating him to some extent, but then not enough to actually pay him anything. So do Great we like point. him more than Fredericks or not? Like I, as, I'm not, so not we, but the club. We played him over Fredericks, but then we also won't sign him to what amounts to a very, very low Premier League wage. Yeah, so you're trying to use whatever ounce you can squeeze out of him until he leaves on June 30th and then put in Fredericks and you know maybe save Fredericks for the last few games and these these games that where you don't have a great chance of winning you're playing yeah. in Gakia the the only other the only only the only other excuse i can think of is they just wanted to see what they have in Ngakia which if that's the case then fire Moyes right now we're in a relegation battle don't if Moyes is just oh let's see what we have in a player like just taking a random guess He's not fit to to lead us out of a relegation battle, whereas the other so that's that's the only other alternative. I'm not saying that's what he's doing. I'm just saying he either thinks he's better than Fredericks, which in that case we should pay him and keep him, or he thinks he's not better than Fredericks and is just testing out. In which case Moyes needs to really wake up to the fact that we're in a relegation battle, unless Can't he try. wants to be ma- managing yep. in the championship next Can't year. Can't be trying players. Yeah, you can't be trying players out. This is this is where we need to be gaining points the hard way. The other thing too with Ngakia's performance from Ngakia's perspective is even if you're mad at the club for not rewarding you for your great performances, why not play your heart out to prove them wrong and say, "Hey, exactly. I'm better than this, but I'm still going to leave." You know, you already mentioned getting a higher contract from another club. That's definitely an element. But even if you were, even if you're going to get the same contract from another club and you just were so mad that you were going to leave, play to beat that, you know, I'm better than what you think I am, basically. But but he didn't. And maybe it's because he's young. Maybe it's because he's 19. Everyone was just getting into it. But you're at a Premier League level and this is prof- you're professional. You had three months off. Like, this is your job. You, there's no excuse for coming out. Just And it was the whole team today, too. Yeah coming out and and giving a lackluster performance yeah he's definitely not the only one I, I thought the only players that really played well were I thought Rice was our best player I thought Fabianski did a fine job I wouldn't I wouldn't give him the blame for either of the two goals they scored um well how can that, you he's when when our players are giving them five feet around in a complete radius complete freedom of the ball not pressing them at all I was shocked at our defense. Like, what, go up and challenge the ball. Yeah, I mean, he. Both the goals were not. They were kind of. They were crosses of which he couldn't have stopped, and it was on the on the defenders to either the fullbacks marking the wingers that were crossing it or the center backs marking the players that scored it. 
should have stopped. I thought that's one reason Ngakia never was close to his man when his man got down the mm-hmm. wing. He had the whatever whatever wide player Ngakia would be covering would always have a clear path for a cross in. And and then that really, I mean, that was one of the big reasons for the goal in that he he let his player give a cross in, and then there was a time where Diop didn't didn't clear the ball of what what should have been a clearable cross. Right. And it's, I thought Diop, I thought Diop was another be- not great player, and then I thought Anderson was really the only, the other just dud today, offered nothing whatsoever. It looks like he he didn't look like he ever wanted to have the ball, and he never looked like he wanted to. It was almost as if he was going through the training motions, and our whole team was just going through the training motions of pass, get the ball, pass, get the ball, pass but with no mental plan of what we're passing towards. Yep. What we're working towards. And it, and it, I don't disagree with the four, four, two lineup, but man, Moyes' tactics today of let's just kind of work it around the back four and then hoof up a long ball, hope for something. Right. Was very questionable. And between that, that tactics, especially without, a big holdup player like Hilaire being available and also just kind of the stagnant movement. We saw, we saw no, there was no off ball movement by our players. It was essentially they'd pass the four back forward, pass it around. And eventually a fullback would look up the field, be not marked by anyone and just kind of boot a long ball to for Antonio to chase down. And that was our entire game plan. No midfield attacking movement, no winger attacking movement. Just standing so around. After the game, I was thinking to myself, who would be the man of the match for me? And like you mentioned, there were a few players that played okay, but I I cannot name a man of the match. I Even Declan. Declan, I don't know if there's anything that I would say he could have done better. I thought he played okay, but I would give the whole team an average. Like, oh, they played okay, but it wasn't – it was not great by any means. There were only a few players that I would even say played okay. Uh Suchek, I thought again was another one who he cleared when he and he he had that it was actually a decent shot on goal, but but it's not necessarily his fault because he he took care of the ball when he needed to, but it wasn't a great performance. I mean, I think I think Suchek played fine for his role. I think Noble played about as well as you can expect Noble to play. I think I think it's criminal putting Mark Noble in a two man midfield. Yeah. I agree. That, like that's not on him. That's on Moyes. You right. You can play this four four two, but you if if you have two men in midfield and Suchek and Noble, Suchek can play that fine. He can cover ground. You can't put a in mid season form Mark Noble in there. Let alone a Mark Noble that hasn't played in three months. Right. right. You're going to get run all over, and that's what we saw today. Um, besides that, yeah, there wasn't. I'd probably give my man of the match to Rice. I don't think anyone had really a performance to be proud of today. More just there were there were more just a couple players that didn't suck. Shouldn't feel horrible. <laughs> which, so what did you think of Fernal's performance? Because I I still out of what we have on the bench, I think he deserves to start, but I did not see a lot out of him. I saw one or two plays where he did he, he had some decent chances or slash decent setup. 
but he he wasn't the the chance creator that we've seen in the past. He, he really wasn't. Maybe that's because uh, he's had three months off and he's just getting in. But like I said, you're a Premier League player. This is your this is your job. You don't. That's not an excuse. You don't yeah, have. I I, I definitely room. think he he didn't do his best offensively. One thing I did like from him is he showed me at least more effort than the average player out there today. Tracking back, if you if you think about yes. where they were really attacking us, I thought the left side with Cresswell and him was much more solid and and less exploited than the right side with Bowen and uh, Ngakia. And now I don't think too much of it was on Bowen, but I do think Bowen. Bowen showed Bowen showed some of better flashes attacking, but I think Bowen could have worked a little harder to get back. I think Fornals did nothing to stand out, but I don't think he did anything to lose his place. Where where I I feel like a player like Anderson, after that performance, needs to be out of the lineup. I you know, Lanzini played better for the limited time that he was on. And and hopefully Hilaire comes back and plays him, but Anderson should not be in the team right now as as poor offensive and defensive effort as he did. So you mentioned uh, Cresswell thought he played fine again. He really the mistakes he, he had a few, but they were okay. Uh, yeah, he he didn't. He played, his delivery was a little off today. That that's mm, right. disheartening. He his entire season his his delivery has been a little subpar, especially for his standards, but defensively he was he was okay he was not the reason we lost he was not the reason we lost I don't directly remember him being at fault for either of the two goals or at least not uh, he might have had some part to play but he wasn't it wasn't like oh my gosh Cresswell if he would have dished on this we wouldn't have conceded It, it was more just it was just okay yeah, and I want to talk about that, our sub. So Lanzini, we had Yarmolenko come in. I wasn't upset with who they took off. Uh, obviously, Moyes took off um, Anderson. And, you know, hey, at that point, I'm open to change. You've got yeah. to change something. That's something Pellegrini well, wouldn't bringing do. Bringing on Fredericks was a good move. But, uh, yes. None of, the, none of the subs were bad, but that's like saying – That's like crediting a captain for for calling abandoned ship after he hit an iceberg. Like shouldn't have got there. Hit an iceberg, right? But I mean, like as far as the Moyes just didn't set us up tactically to win this game, and yeah, his subs were fine, but right, and got to be better if we have if we have any shot. No, that's right. And Anderson, for sure, lost his starting spot in my view today. Lanzini, actually, I thought played okay with, with the time he was given. I think he deserves a starting spot over Anderson. Uh, if Hilaire does not come back, I would at least consider Lanzini. Uh, I thought Yarmolenko did okay. Again, same thing. Uh, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know if I would start him over Bowen or uh, or Fernals, but I thought he played good enough to, for sure, feature. Uh, I, yeah. I wouldn't just bench him outright. But- I, I, I think so much of this is just a motive a motivation and tactical problem. Individually we have a, as good a players as Wolves have, I'd say. I mean they have some players that we don't have a player that offers the pure pace that Traore has. We don't have uh, you know, a player like that says like maybe Moutinho or Neves, but but we have generally about as average of players as they do. But they play as a team where we play 
I don't know what you'd call our play, but it's not as a team. And so Moyes either needs to do something tactically to get something better out them or do something to motivate them because it's, it's not happening for me. And yeah, I, I, we can talk about who we would change. I think I definitely agree. Lanzini should go in for Anderson. Hopefully Hilaire maybe go, goes in if he's healthy. Maybe if Ogbonna's back, you can move Rice back to Noble's spot. Um, I think you move Rice back to Noble's spot, even if Ogbonna's not. But I, I don't understand. Maybe it's something that I'm just not aware of in the States, but but Balbuena, if you have the player, even I, I don't care if you have a little feud, which I'm not sure if that's the case, but let's say that Moise, I know Moise doesn't like Balbuena for whatever reason, even if, let's say, you have a little feud. It, I'm sorry, but it's the Premier League. So play the guy that you need to play. And moving Rice back maybe try that for five minutes at most. But when you see that that's not the best because Rice is not getting up, make a tactical change. Well, Sub Noble out and put Rice in there and then get Bob Lena. I mean, what, you've got a center back. He's yeah. dec- He's proven, he, he's, he really, I, in my opinion, has proven that he's a decent center back. Play him. What I think what happened was, I think Moyes seemed to have this idea of what formation and what tactics he wanted to play. And then whenever these injuries to Hilaire and Ogbonna happened, he just kind of slotted another player in without really thinking how it would affect it. Because if we think if we played this 4-4-2 formation, trying relatively long balls, but we'd had Ogbonna where Rice is, Rice moving to Noble, and Hilaire up top. Our back line, and maybe Fredericks instead of Ngakia. Our back line would be about the same. You know, I mean, Rice, is, Rice played really well, but Agbano's played well this season too. Our midfield would be substantially better because Rice would be there being able to cover much more ground than Noble. And then you actually have a player in 6-3, maybe 6-4 in Hilaire, instead of a Felipe Anderson who does nothing to actually get and hold up these long balls. But he, he made no tactical changes once these injuries came. It was just like, oh, let me just throw a player in there. If we were going to play this style, why put Anderson in there in when you could put a Yeti, who's a big, strong center forward that can hold up the ball? Why not when we realize we're going to – if we want to play Rice in, defensive, in the defensive four, why not change your midfield formation so you don't have Noble trying to cover half the pitch in something he's clearly not able to do? So look at your first half and you say, as a manager, all right, lackluster performance first half. I wasn't personally impressed with anything we did. We really didn't have great chances. They also didn't have great chances. They both teams came slow out of the gate. Fine. Even if it's just one half at halftime, you make those changes. You say, all right, this is exactly what we're going to do. We got, we have to change something. We've got to change tactically. The subs probably not best uh, to use to, to change those tactics, but like move people around something, uh, you know, maybe use one sub at half. I don't know, but, but we came out and we did the exact same thing. However, look at what wolves did. Wolves came out. They came out, first of all, a lot stronger, tried it for about 10, 20 minutes, subbed in a massive man who yeah. well, wrecked they, us. Well, they didn't need to change anything at halftime just because they, they were the honestly should have been up on us. Uh, we, right. The way we played the first 45 minutes and, and possibly the entire game as a whole, I mean, we played 90 minutes without scoring, but we could have we could have had 1,000 minutes and probably not scored. That was how pathetic our offensive output was. I mean, we had – there was the one good through ball 
to Fornals, which he skied over, but it wasn't an good, easy. Two he good chances, I would say. Yeah, but they weren't. They weren't great. They weren't like, oh, we should have scored that chance. They were like, eh, we got a decent. But right. you could have like, you could have played five games, and right. I wouldn't have been surprised if if we didn't get a goal, if we played that way. And so it's just, yeah, the, the lack of change at half where Wolves really – they played well and then they realized, oh, they're still not breaking us down. They made, and then they made the impact sub that, that proved to be huge. I think, I know Traore provided the assist in the first one. And I think the second person he subbed in was actually the goal scorer on the second one, the, the volley. So it's, yeah, we, it was poor today all, all around. No one should be proud of, of what, what happened? One last thing I want to mention about that: when Wolves sub uh, made their subs, like you, like you said, both players, especially Troyori, but both players made an impact, and they made a relatively big impact. That second goal, sure, maybe even if take out that goal from that guy, and he still it added pace to the team. He still added another fresh outlet, and Troyori obviously made a massive impact. Shredded our defense, just started running all over us. So. Why are we not seeing that impact? I would argue that that Lanzini and Yarmolenko did have a 1%, maybe 5% at best impact. They played a little bit better, obviously, than Anderson. But uh, but we don't we didn't get a huge boost like Wolves did. Wolves was sitting around. They could have won without – I think they – I believe they could have won without those subs. And they subbed him and were like, all right, let's just end this. And boom, two subs, boom, two goals. Well, I think a lot of it is it's an 11-man game. and one of the you you don't put, you don't bring on a sub cuz you just want to change one man out of the 11 you bring on a sub because you want to change the way all 11 are playing and when we brought on subs even if we brought on subs just to replace that man so you know yeah if Lanzini plays slightly better than Felipe Anderson great well Felipe Anderson was crap and our team was crap with him so making one player just a little bit better didn't do anything Whereas Wolves, when you bring on someone like Treore or or the the other one that they brought on that scored, they're bringing on that man to enhance all eleven. What Treore d- did for them was unlock so much of that wing that allowed them to get down and attack. It wasn't just one man was playing better; all other uh, all other ten players were playing well too. Whereas when we brought on Lanzini, even if he did better the remaining 10 people on the field were still playing pretty poorly. They weren't motivated by the change. They weren't, they weren't, you know, called on to be better. They didn't try harder when they saw. And so, and some of that's so only, there's only a little bit as far as the subs that Moyes could have done, but he should have changed something tactically. And the other players are professionals. They should have saw, this isn't good enough. We got to change something. So that's right. And Moy's coming out of the gate when the wolves looked at the formation, you could anyone, anyone could see that you're going to play for the draw. We're going to play for defensive. You move rice back. You're protecting the goal. You put noble in, you're protecting the goal. We had what four offensive players at most up there, maybe five, if you include all almost your whole midfield. And, but out of the, in the back, we had seven to eight. So that's, you know, obviously you're playing 11. Yeah. So that's more than half. So you look at that formation as wolves, you come out of the gate and you say, they're playing defensive. 
All we have to do is go score. And as soon as they scored, I mean, not even as soon as they scored, they tore our team apart. When you're facing relegation, how do you not play a little bit more aggressively or, or not go for the draw? I mean, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was really poor. I, I don't, if we play like that, we will get ourselves relegated. Luckily we, Bournemouth had a, had a similarly poor result today. And so we, we are currently sitting at 17th. Villa have one more game to play. If they win, they, they, they will go above us, but otherwise, yeah, we, we gotta, we gotta play better. I think all around there's, there's no, no one here that's blameless. Uh, one thing, one thing we didn't get to talk about last week, but I'd like to bring up now, how do you think the no no fans af- affected for for us? It's a little bit of a different di- different atmosphere because we always watch the games on TV, so that part didn't change for us. We it's not like we went to, we're able to go to the matches in person and change. But how do you think not having fans impacted the experience for you and me as already watching on television? So it is kind of funny because uh, for us it was on NBC Sports, one of our channels, and they said you can tune it to this certain channel if you want to hear background crowd noise, which they input. And then the other one was, if you want to watch it on the mobile app, then you can watch it without crowd noise. And if you really want to hear the players, um, I personally chose the crowd noise, but so maybe I didn't, you know, didn't get the the full experience as what they were experiencing just because I think a silent stadium uh, probably would drive me crazy, but they had, that that, that makes it to me sound like most of the crowd noise that, was actually not what the players were hearing, just something they put on top of the broadcast. At least that's what I wasn't sure. If, if, you know what I mean? If, if, there's, if there is a version that doesn't have crowd noise, that must mean either the microphones are placed differently on the field or the field just doesn't have, like in the stadium, not having crowd noise. Right, right. Uh, so let's talk about the players' impact look, I don't know if it was the pressure that they didn't feel from the fans. The fans were already, from West Ham's perspective, already mad at the team, I think, because we were close to relegation. We should have had some better performances than we did. Uh, so, yeah. It's... I, I'd, I'd say it seemed like one one great benefit of having a, a, a home crowd is that they, they can dig you out of a bad patch. They can give you. They can. They can start out by motivating, motivating you, so you can start the game strong because you have a good home crowd. Or if you're doing bad, they can make it worse if they turn on you. But they can also make it better if they get behind you. And, and I, really, when we gave up that first goal, it was noticeable to me that there was the players let the players just kind of shrunk their shoulders and, and didn't and kind of sighed. And there wasn't anything there that could be done externally to motivate them. So here's something. Uh, when you are at a game and you're seeing your team play like West Ham did, what is, you know, it's like, what is there to cheer about? I mean, even me and, you know, I'm, I'm all for uh, trying to support the team as loudly as I can from, from the TV, you know, and I, I'm sitting there and I, I'm, I really didn't get excited about anything, which is very sad. Uh, if the fans all were on the same page and say, Hey, they scored a goal. We really need to get behind the team maybe, but that's pretty rare. I'd say I, I really don't see a different result. Do you see a different result with the fans being there? I don't, I don't. 
if, if it had been a super tight, you know, 90th minute goal or something, maybe, but it was 2-0. We were getting crushed the whole day. I think it could have made a difference. I don't think it likely would have made a difference because let's be honest, the London Stadium has – we have not had great results in the London Stadium. And I don't really think the way – I don't know if it's the acoustics. I don't know if it's just – the fraction of truly dedicated fans at, that go to the games are lower or what, but we don't typically see that behavior at our arena that, that gets, gets the players motivated. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't think it would have likely made a difference. I think it could have. Um, so, from a viewing perspective, it was definitely noticeable that there wasn't a crowd there. Just it, even mm-hmm. though with the, the pumped in crowd noise, it didn't, it's not the same. It didn't captivate me as much. Right. I mean, it, it. I never really thought, oh, it makes a big difference. I, and and I've so, Chris and I both have never actually been able to go to the London Stadium or even Upton Park, to to see a game, um, just based on ge- geography, obviously. But I I've been watching a lot of the Bundesliga restart, and I don't notice it as much with the Bundesliga restart probably because I'm not singularly invested in those teams as much, Mm. but watching West Ham and not seeing West Ham fans there definitely was a little deflating. Sure. Deflating is a great word for it. Uh, If you look at the difference between, I think sports in Germany, in Europe, in general, in the UK for sure. And then here I can get behind my favorite NFL team, but we don't have the team chance. We don't have the, you know, sure. People are wearing jerseys and you're really excited about your baseball team or your American football team. But when you get to, when you get to soccer in Europe though, you have those, those team chants, you have the long history of hundreds of years, you know, 150 years in some cases, 120 years for, for most clubs. And, and, you know, it's, if, like it's almost like the fans almost riot if you lose because that's how involved they are in the game. Like it's incredible. So without that impact, that's something that I haven't had a, a lot of time to experience. Uh, but I think it would the not having the fans there makes a bigger difference in the UK than it would if they had, the game had been in the US. I, I think I agree. I think with the only exception being the closest sport in the US that has that feel is, is collegiate American football. Um, just because so many of the fans attended that university. I understand they don't have a similar university style sports structure in, in the UK or abroad. Um, but the, yeah, the, for the most part, American professional sports just don't have that same. You, you have very avid fans for no, no doubt, but it's right. not as. Um, it's a much right. more relaxed environment. Like I, the, the biggest sport I attend frequently in the U S is, is NBA basketball. And it's more just the way they have music going on in the background and, and a guy leading like a guy on a microphone leading little chants, like they're like, let's go team. It's not, it's not near as steeped in history that, that the premier league clubs are or any of the European big clubs really are. Yeah, that's right. And for me, specifically in football, you know, I've got the teams I like, and I've got the rivals that, you know, I can't stand. But it's different when, for instance, at least for the US men's national team, when we're playing Mexico in soccer, you know, or like for West Ham fans, when they're playing Tottenham, I mean, 
it's it's a different it's from the heart almost you know and so i think it definitely has a bigger impact and i think the players too like you were mentioning earlier they played a little lackluster i again i don't think it would have had an impact impact on the result but i do think uh it affects the players more because they don't have that i mean it's not just a thousand fifty thousand fans with heart it's a hundred years of heart that are missing yeah. now yeah and it's definitely especially with so much of the u.s sports are based on television anyway right where i mean they're they obviously do have televised soccer or football games in the uk but so many of the the so many of the sports in the u.s are, are made to watch on tv more so than be in the stadium and it's just different that way um yeah well overall a fairly bad performance and i'm sure we're all frustrated with that um next next section we're going to just talk a little bit about the upcoming game against tottenham and what we think we can see out of that All right, welcome back to our second session where we look ahead at Tottenham Hotspur game. Uh, this game is out Tuesday. It's going to be Tuesday evening in England and then Tuesday afternoon uh, in the U.S. And just as we were mentioning in the first section, Tottenham's a 137-year-old club, so lots of history behind it. The fans obviously are way behind it, and especially West Ham fans care about this game because it's one of our biggest rivals. Uh, we always seem to play well against them. Uh, we're obviously hoping for a good result on this one. But, uh, Chris, what do you got for us? Yeah, so last section we talked about kind of the difference in history between American and 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 European uh, teams. With This this is a big example of it. The, the historical significance of Tottenham versus West Ham is, 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 is a very, very storied rivalry and, and, and really – it, it, I love when these games comes around because some of the best games I've seen over my time as a West Ham fan is when we play Tottenham, when we when we kind of rise to the occasion. Although most when I, since I've become a fan, they've been ahead of us in, in the league table and, and more successful than we've been. Man, there's nothing better than beating beating Tottenham. Nothing better than play, playing a great game, beating Tottenham. The best goals I've seen have been against Tottenham. The, uh, the Pedro Obiang masher of a, of a kick is uh, still, I'd say, the best goal I've seen since I've started watching West Ham. Uh, but so currently they sit eighth in eighth in the table at 42 points, just off just off the Europa positions, and and they're really probably out of the running for the Champions League. For the most part, they might sneak in there, but really still fighting heavily for a Europa League spot and much different position than we're in right now. Uh, but it's it's a game that I always feel like we got a chance and it's one we really need to pick up some points on if we want to stay out of the bottom three. Uh, one thing I want to point out is it's interesting because we listen to some of the West Ham podcasts and in UK uh, Premier League podcasts in general listen to their news keep up with them and you know reading and 
Definitely, it's it's a different experience uh, to not have been to one of these West Ham Tottenham games. You know, we're not right next to them in uh, terms of location where you run into a Tottenham fan and you know really get into it or something. But it, but from a U.S. perspective, you know, you see that from the club, and and as a West Ham fan, you're like, yeah, like let's get behind that, you know. And then it starts to grow and it grows, and so it's it's a really interesting dynamic because I am extremely excited for this game, knowing they're one of our biggest rivals. And I, coming from my own personal perspective, don't have a ton against them. But now that I've associated myself with West Ham and have you know started to put my heart into West Ham, that that uh, motivation you know for beating Tottenham kind of carries over. What, do you have any comment on that, Chris? Yeah, well, I think that's a great point that we definitely often have a different view of the rivalries here being more more separated from i mean obviously we don't we don't get to experience the the geographic closeness that tottenham and, and west ham do but there are a few teams that tend to have tend to be overrepresented by u.s fans in the premier league and i think tottenham is one of them i'd say the most famous teams in the U.S. are Man United, Tottenham, and Arsenal, with a little bit of a little bit of City as well. Uh, but it, it's Tottenham really has a, a strong U.S. following. I don't really know why that is, but but out of all the Premier League teams, even though I don't necessarily have, you know, I don't I don't work with Tottenham fans. I don't you know live near Tottenham fans in this in the same sense that you would if you were in London. I have interacted with Tottenham fans much more than I have most Premier League fans. And so it does for me kind of reinforce that rivalry because, because I actually do have more interactions with them than I would say like a Crystal Palace fan or a Brighton fan that those teams, like I don't, I don't really encounter American fans from those teams, but I do for, for, for the teams like Tottenham. One more comment about that too, is when you talk to a Tottenham fan and you say, Oh, I'm a West Ham fan. It's interesting to see, you can tell if they actually are really following Tottenham or if they, you know, if they're like, Oh, great. Like we hope we win, you know, it's like fantastic. But if they're like, Oh, you know, Oh, like you're a West Ham fan, you know, then, you know, and it, and it's interesting. It literally, it fuels a little bit of like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, we got to win this game. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and to see, to me, it even makes it, it makes me more mad when they actually don't follow. Right. Yeah. Because I, and you know, I, I love Dave's Dave on the, on the West Ham way podcast likes to use the term plastic fan <laughs> and so many American fans, especially mm-hmm. if teams in the, in the quote top six or top five. Oh, Liverpool. Yeah. hundred percent as plastic fans, city fans, basically the, the Johnny come lately uh, bandwagon fans that, that we often, it is rampant in a lot of American sports where you, you know, the warriors in, in the NBA were real good and everyone became a warriors fan or, you know, it, it, we see that a lot. And with Tottenham's recent success, they've really kind of gained a decent, decent portion of the American fan base. And it's, it's frustrating, especially when, As an, I, I take a certain amount of pride being a West Ham fan that I that I support them when, you know, they're currently sitting 17th in the table. I watch every game. We now have a podcast about it. And then most American fans, they'll pick a Liverpool, they'll pick a Tottenham, they'll pick an Arsenal, they'll pick a Man United, and they won't watch what 
two games a year. They'll, they'll watch basically the, for us, most games are at about nine in the morning. Some are even at six in the morning. They'll only watch the like two or three games a year that their team plays at, at noon because right. they won't wake up early enough to watch otherwise. And so, yeah, it's it definitely irks me both when I meet a, a diehard Tottenham fan and a, a, a plastic fan. <laughs> well, and let, let's talk about, so when you encounter those plastic fans, a lot of times it's because they heard of a player, not only is the team doing well, but they heard of a player that is good. And one, probably the uh, most famous player, I would argue on Tottenham is Harry Kane. Yeah. Now, Chris, how do you stop Harry Kane? And first of all, give, give us an injury update too, if you know. I know he's been out. Um, and and another quick thing, piece of news to mention too, is actually uh, today it was just released that he's considering leaving Tottenham because he's having trouble with the manager, some of the ownership. Uh, <laughs> fantastic if we could pick him up for West Ham in the transfer window. <laughs> well, but he, I don't, he wouldn't, yeah. I, he wouldn't, yeah. But anyways, uh, but he's one of those players that, I mean, he is so a good he, soccer player, but I want to beat him. <laughs> he did. It does like he did feature in their midweek game against Man United or this game against Man United. Um, one th- one thing that has been quite amazing about Tottenham is their player retention. They when they get a good player, they stay for a long time, and that's that's a big difference between their success and, and kind of West Ham's. I don't want to say failure, but just abject mediocrity over the last few years is that anytime we get a decent player a la Payet or Arnautovic it's they we get them for maybe a year and a half of motivated and then they quit on us and and we eventually have to sell them the only player that over Tottenham (laughs) full-time has really done that is Erickson but even he was there for a long time having success I mean Kane, Son, their goalkeeper Lori they have players that just have been there a long time, perform well, and don't really get tempted to move on. But maybe, maybe they do take a blow, and, and Harry Kane leaves. I, I, Harry Kane's a good player. I think he's a little overrated in his goal scoring, just because so many of so many of his goals come off of penalties, uh, and that no, it takes skill to convert a penalty. But a lot of times, you're not the one winning them. So it, it, I always getting a little gripes whenever I do meet a Tottenham fan that they always love Harry Kane. And I try and say, Hey, he's not actually, he's good, but he's not that good. Um, And he's, he's English, which I think often over makes a lot of people overrate them. Um, He's ugly. (laughs) No, I'm just, I, I actually think I look a little bit like him, so I can't say too much, but I think you're saying uh, that because he plays for Tottenham. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I kind of am. But uh, no, I mean, they, there's a lot about Tottenham in their management that I I respect. I think they run the club well. Um, first, as as far as success, I, but I think they play dirty. I think I do too. There are now, I, I think Sun's a dirty player. I, I think he gets a lot of unnecessary stick and I think he's definitely a he has a there's a well documented past of him getting racist remarks against him and that's terrible. I think that, that that's horrendous. But I also think separate from that he does play dirty sometimes. Um there there's some very bad tackles he's made that, that have hurt players and and you know, Harry Kane I think is a little overrated, but they, they got they have a very good team and I think it's gonna be a difficult difficult performance but I think our 
hopefully we'll, our players will rise to the to the occasion and we can we can get a good result. So this is one game where you've, in my opinion, and I sh- I'm pretty sure it should be out of West Ham's opinion. You got to come out. You got to play. You can't be playing for a draw. Absolutely not. We are facing relegation. Look what just happened. You know, today we played Wolves two zero loss. Uh, we played for the draw. We played that defensive game against Tottenham and and games in uh, in the future. You come out. Got to play strong. Got to play aggressive. Yep. Score those first goals. Uh, play play a, a decent defense but focus on the offense and hopefully Hilaire's back for us even if he's not I still think we have a, a good chance of beating them we yeah. always do play well against them uh it's it's a little bit of a heightened tension you know between the two teams with the big, big rivalry and it didn't great go great last time so let's pull it out this time well I, I'd like to say this I think there are legitimate times in in football where playing for a draw is acceptable where playing for a draw is, is a smart move. But I don't think that's ever starting the game. I think that that is a tactic that's at some point later in the game, in the second half, You playing for a draw is acceptable, especially based depending on who you're playing in the team position. But where we're at now, we don't have that luxury ever sitting where we are. We always have to win. We When we kick off, our plan should be to go for the win when at halftime our plan should be to go for the win at the 88th minute our plan should be to go for the win we have to get points and singular points is not going to be enough now i'm not saying i will be displeased in certain games if we get draws but we can we do not have the luxury of playing for a draw yeah and let me mention too 88th minute and you're saying play for the win let's say we're up 2-0 that doesn't matter because goal differential also comes into play. So you're up two zero, you play for the win. You're down five zero. You play for that darn win. You know, it's a mentality that the players have got to go and it's got to be a sense of urgency. If we're losing, even when we're winning, you don't let off the gas because that's when we've been vulnerable. That's when we've let up goals to, to teams to either have uh, get the draw. Like I think it was Brighton where we did that. Uh, We were up three zero and let them come back. So don't set up off the gas especially with as mentally fragile a team as we have as I mean, just, just like a team that of individuals that tend to be unmotivated at times. Uh, I'm not trying to say, I'm trying to say that they like today we saw it. They just stood around. They weren't, they weren't motivated. If when you tell players like that to play for to play for a draw you're basically saying what they're going to hear is just stand around and go through the motions that is when you that is when problems happen that's when mistakes are made that's when there's an unmarked man from a corner or a player makes a run in behind and is not picked up by a center back that's when mistakes are made when you tell those players just play for a draw tell you what being moist going into the locker room today after that loss everyone's going to be down. They're going to say, you know what? We just lost our first game or how are we ever going to pull this out? If I were Moyes, I would have gone in there. I said, remember this taste because we haven't had it in three months. We have had it this season, but you, this is, this is no longer acceptable. It it wasn't acceptable before, but for sure is an acceptable. Now we're facing relegation. Do not let it get to this point anymore. And that's, that's what I would say. You would motivate the players 
um, come in to next week. <clears throat> Some key players I think you've got to have in there. I would put in Hilaire if he's healthy. If not, Antonio's got to play. Uh, right now, Anderson lost his starting spot for me, so I'd be playing probably a Fernals, uh, Fernals on that left side with Suchek attacking mid and um, – trying to think maybe yeah probably i'd start bowen i thought garmalinko could be a decent sub but i wouldn't yeah. start him i think i think we definitely there definitely needs to be significant changes whether that's in i think the formation we have itself is not the problem i i wouldn't be opposed to changing it but i think it's more certain players we had and then the the our attacking mentality with that was not where it should have been with just being able to to hoof the ball up and hope for something good to happen instead of having, having good constructive possession to make something happen. I mean, I, I would say, yeah, definitely Anderson lost his spot today. I'd put you play Bryce... Lanzini. Cause I think if, if Hilaire's back, I'd put a, a front four in quotations of four nows and Antonio Hilaire and Bowen. Right, but what if he's not? Which likely, if he's not, I would probably, I'd put Lanzini, but I would also be very quick to to sub in a, a Yeti if if things aren't going well. Something, something positive in that sense. But uh, I'd agree with that. And what's interesting is Lanzini in past games, looking at the history, if he's not playing well in the start of the game, very, very, very rarely does he ever turn that around. He usually plays like crap the entire way. Yeah. So and you look, give him, give him some time to, to adjust and get into it. But if not, then be quick, like you said, to sub in a jet, a, a Yeti or something. Yeah. Um, and another option would be if we really were, if, if basically moving Rice out of the defense and playing some sort of midfield three with Rice, Noble, and Suchek, basically allowing Suchek to be more advanced up the field. Um, but I, I personally would like to take out Noble, move Rice up. And then play Lan- probably Lanzini. Although, man, Mark Noble tends to tends to have his best games against Tottenham, and and he, I well, you know, one thing we didn't really talk about. Noble looked frustrated today, and not th- there's there's different types of frustration. There's down on yourself frustration. There's irrationally angry frustration. But then the type of frustration I think Mark Noble had today was are you serious, guys? Frustration. He had there were so many times where he'd drop back, get the ball, because that he would he there was not much connecting. He'd he'd have to come back because no he had to connect from the center back. He'd get the ball, turn around, see see no one moving, no one making a move, and just stick his hands out in frustration. Like, what is going on here with the ball? Like, he'd have the ball and, and just be pointing broadly at the field saying, essentially, are you going to do anything? And, and so that, it, it, did, it didn't motivate, it didn't get anyone motivated, but it, it, that's the attitude I want to see. So I'm going to classify that as like a captain's frustration. Like Exactly. God, I mean, and, and like you mentioned, he usually plays well against Tottenham. I, I would play against Tottenham. I've 
come out and said that uh, I don't think he's the best in our starting 11 uh, before the virus. However, look, first of all, look how we played today. Look how we played today. And look decently. I just think he, he, he played individually decently, but if, if he, and I'm fine with him playing, he cannot play in this formation, which is, which is a fault of Moyes, not of him. Right. And we know, you know, that if he's marking someone, say like a Triore or someone that's extremely fast, you know, he's going to get beat. So plan for that. And if you plan for that, play the guy because he usually plays well against Tottenham. And he's a, I mean, I would believe that he's a decent enough player to, uh, he still has enough. Now, one thing, if it is a short rest period that could play into factor, especially if someone of his age, but yeah, I, Give him a go at least. You can always sub him out. He he's he he can play poorly, but he typically doesn't make egregious mistakes. He he doesn't bring the team down. Where and so like what I'm trying to say is Anderson's lax attitude can bring others down. Um what Ngakia displayed today can bring others down. Mark Noble, Mark Noble will, can play. And I think this is one of the great things about Declan too. Declan and Suchek, I, although limited time with Suchek, I've seen them. They can have bad games where they a, like make bad passes, uh, miss a tackle, don't, you know, aren't always quite in the perfect position, maybe make the wrong decisions. But you, they're trying. They're 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 making some effort. They're just they're they might miss a play, but then they'll go and run in and make another tackle to try and make up for it. Like they they will the same thing with Noble. It's it's I make I I will applaud a player if he has a bad game but does that rather than if he basically does nothing for ninety minutes and yeah, it brings like, down the team. Yeah, brings down the team. With Noble, too, it's a personal – from what I've seen, it's a morale boost on the field when he's there, and especially against Tottenham, one of our biggest rivals. Uh, Noble has 20 years with the club. He's 33. He started when he was 13. So it obviously has that history, that rivalry that's built up with him, Let you know, compared to like a Hilaire who just joined the team, maybe doesn't have as much of a heart against Tottenham. Um, I think that's going to be great, in, great to uh, – to take advantage of in this game i also think that if you're if he's not playing really uh if he's playing terribly then yeah sub him out if you really need to make an offensive change maybe he'd be the first one to go over obviously a rice or shoe check um and and you could put another attacking player in there i think his he him playing gives the option to switch up the formation with just that one sub like we were talking about earlier where you take him out and put in an offensive player and boom you've switched it from a defensive formation to an offensive formation something yeah. like that you can make a very impactful sub by subbing him out uh yeah. and and so. i i i would give him the chance i would just if we're going to play him it would have to be followed up by some sort of formation change um, although I did see X tweet today that Hilaire is is likely to be available for Spurs, so hope I would like to see him over Anderson. That would be my sub there. But yeah, I don't. After today, there's not much I can point to and be like, oh, this guy's going to be a difference maker. I think Antonio always has the ability to be a difference maker. 
I think Fornals has proven that he can provide a spark. You know, there's there's some consistency Bowen, issues. Bowen, does Bowen, too. Bowen looked Bowen looked decent he, on the. He showed he effort. He showed effort. He showed effort. I thought he could have he could have done a little more defensively mm-hmm. um, as far as recognizing hey, Ngaki is not really like coming out to this guy. I'm going to need to track back extra hard next time. Didn't really do that. But overall, I mean, he, he was one of the more motivated attacking players. I, I would attribute that to just an experience thing where he saw Ngaki lose his guy a few times, and then that needs to register to him, hey, I do need to get back. Whereas right now, he played just like, say, a Fredericks was, um, was back there and making decent tackles and staying on his guy. Uh, where, where the experience comes in is when you need to recognize, hey, that defender's not pulling his weight. I need to go help him. Yeah. Um, so, Chris, let's uh, move into predictions. What's your prediction for this game? It's... I can't, I can't predict the win. Not after what I saw. I can hope for one. I can't predict one. Um, I say we lose, we lose two one, but I'm hopeful that I'm hopeful that we can, we can get a result. We can get a point and we can get a win. It's just, they got to show me something for me to believe we'll get a win. So that is a fair prediction. Um, you know, last week I said three, I was kind of teetering between two zero, three zero loss, obviously got the two zero loss today. So uh, in my honest opinion, I, I, I think we're going to tie. I think it's going to be a one, one tie. The reason I say that is because Hilaire, like you mentioned, is coming back or should be back. Uh, that's going to help motivate the team that they've got there, you know, star striker back. Um, we will hopefully fix, I should say, a tie, assuming we fix certain things. And that would be uh, like Hilaire coming back. Like we've yeah. got maybe Ngakia, probably I would put Fredericks in. I think Ngakia lost his starting spot to, uh, to me today. And not playing Anderson. I'd sub, like you mentioned, Hilaire for Anderson or uh, Anderson for Hilaire whatever anyways put Hilaire on the field instead of Anderson uh Lanzini I'd put in as a, a sub I wouldn't necessarily start him um I think as again Moyes the manager's job and Noble's job as a captain um Suchek and Rice as uh, from what I've seen some more leadership on the team motivating the team saying hey this isn't just a relegation battle get get excited or get you know uh pumped up for that but this is a rivalry yeah. game and play on that yeah I think we need you need leadership you need you need people in there that will step up and it's strange to say although they're a very good team Tottenham might be the perfect team we need to play right now they're beatable. because if 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 we looked at lackluster and then I'm motivated against Wolves playing a bad playing a bad team is not going to make us more motivated but playing a rival might so hopefully even if we can't get points from here it'll give us some motivation to, to really push on to the next few games and, and, and play better. And let me just mention the, the impact that it would have if we get blown out of the water. Let's say a 3-0, even a 2-0 loss. If we barely lose 90th minute goal, I don't know if it would have that much. It would hurt, but it probably wouldn't have that much. But let's say we get blown out of the water. Then you've got Man City coming up. Then you've got six more games, and those games, each one of those matters, and you've got to win each one of those games. It's a relegation battle, and all those teams, pretty much out of those six, we've got we're playing. I think four out of the six that are fighting relegation. So, yeah, 
those games matter. And if you come out, you just got, uh, you know, blown out of the water by wolves. Then you get blown out of the water by Tottenham man city, probably not looking the best, just in all honest opinion. Then, so you just lost three straight games. Then you go into those six games. I, I mean, it's, uh, not a good place to be. Whereas if you yeah. uh, tie or have a good performance against Tottenham, maybe if you lose against man city, but then you're like, Hey, you know what? We had a, we had a decent result. Let's just pick that back up. I, I think this game matters for the rest of the season more than, than most games would. I think it does. And I think it's definitely imperative that we, for the players to prove to themselves, we have what it takes to, to, to stay up and to fight for it. So yeah, that's, that'll be what we'll, we'll, we'll find out on Tuesday. So we'll have a, we'll have another episode after the game on Tuesday, just to might, might be the next day, but, but hopefully, uh, Hopefully you like this this episode and and give us a like and subscribe. We're we're available on all the your the podcast platforms that, that you'd use. Like us on Facebook, or sorry, not on Facebook, on Twitter. And uh, come on, you irons! Come on, you irons!